Now, Nevada Real Estate Radio. You'll never go wrong when you get your advice from real estate professionals that you know, like, and trust. Here is your host, Peter Padilla. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Nevada Real Estate Radio, and happy Thanksgiving Day. Yes, today is the day that I have to do my radio show from my kitchen. My fiance expects me to deliver Thanksgiving dinner tonight, so the only way I can accomplish all of my goals on this festive day is to bring the microphones right in here into my kitchen. Hang on a second while I move over by the sink, okay? And uh, make sure that I keep an eye on everything that's cooking today. Sherry and I went out and about and were shopping for Thanksgiving dinner earlier in the week. And we got to thinking, you know, every year we have that big, big, big white turkey bird. And although it's delicious, don't get me wrong, I absolutely love turkey and all the fixings for Thanksgiving Day. It can be a bit much if you don't have a lot of people coming to your house. I mean, two people, one turkey, that spells leftovers, I mean, for a long, long time. Regardless, this year, because we're having just Thanksgiving on our own, we're going to be having more people getting together for Christmas. Thanksgiving is just the two of us, so this year we have decided to do a small ham. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, the ham is getting more and more popular Every day, you see it on TV, you hear about it on the radio, you read about it in the newspaper. It seems that the ham is starting to overtake the turkey as one of the national, at least let's say local traditions that you find around Thanksgiving Day. Now, when we first started doing this, I really wasn't sure whether I felt good about doing a ham on Thanksgiving. You know, big bird, white bird, all that good stuff that we've been talking about. But then... I got to thinking, you know, that ham is different. That ham, well, maybe with a little juice on it, like maybe some rum could make a difference. Sherry got a great recipe for a, it's called a Cuban ham, and it involves some sort of Kraken rum concoction. That's what we're having tonight. But I got to looking in the local newspaper on one of the advertisements from one of my favorite liquor stores. Now, they don't advertise with me, and uh, they did not pay me to do this. But I'm just looking at their big full-page ad in the newspaper earlier this week. It was on Tuesday. Ben's Fine Wine and Spirits. And what do they have on this full page but a beautiful bottle, big bottle, of bourbon. This is one of the items that they're offering for sale. But in addition to that big picture of that bottle, you have a huge full-page recipe for a marmalade-glazed ham. There you go. I wasn't alone in thinking that ham was right for Thanksgiving Day. Well... We had already planned on doing our ham before we read the article from Ben's, so I'm not really going to, this year anyway, going to use a bullet bourbon in my ham mix-up, but we are doing this Cuban ham along with Kraken rum and a whole bunch of goodies. What's on the side? Cranberries. I'm not talking about out of a can, ladies and gentlemen. I don't eat that stuff. I'm talking about fresh cranberries that Sherry is doing her magic with. And then I have a new introduction for Thanksgiving this year because we are doing ham, we are doing crack and rum, and we are doing fresh cranberries. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, the potato has made its entry into the kitchen. This year, the potato of choice is the scalloped potatoes. Yes, the scalloped potatoes. Imagine that, scalloped potatoes, Cuban ham, fresh cranberries, and pumpkin pie for dessert. I'm getting hungry just thinking about it. I better get to talking about real estate before this all gets away. Let me just turn this heat down a little bit on the pumpkin pie, make sure it's cooking at the right temperature, and here we go. You know, real estate around this time of the year tends to slow down. More and more people are thinking, you know, it's going to get cold outside. Why do I want to go out and about and even think about looking for a home to purchase or even move? that matter, right? Who likes to move in the winter? Let me tell you, 
In the wintertime, I've probably moved more people and moved myself more times than most individuals would think. Moving in the winter is a hassle, but I've done it. I remember that year. It was 1986. It's coming back to me now. Yes. Yes. There it is. I was in Colorado, and I lived in a subdivision where I had purchased a home recently. And you know what, ladies and gentlemen? was the worst mistake of my life. Not that I bought a home. It's that I bought a home without using experts to guide me in the process. I used a friend instead. Worse than that, I used a friend's friend instead. Well, you know, when you're young and you want everybody to like you and you want to be successful and you want to get things that your compadres have, um, sometimes you can make some mistakes if you move too quickly. So on today's show, I want to talk to young people who are thinking about buying a home and not to buy too quickly, not to get encouraged too much, not to get pressured at all when you're looking to buy a home. Now, in the early 80s when I bought this home, the market was pretty hot in Colorado, just like it is now in northern Nevada. Everybody was building homes, selling homes. The economy was good. Things were rocking. And it just seemed like if you weren't interested or even talking about buying a home, you weren't with it. You know, you weren't in the current times because it seemed to me at that point that it was really on everybody's mind. A couple of my friends had bought homes. I was still renting. I didn't have any kids yet, but I got to thinking maybe I should buy a home because everybody else is buying a home, you know. And I got to find out it was pretty easy to buy a home. I have talked to as to a realtor. And this realtor takes care of everything. So my buddy recommended the realtor. And well, you know, the rest of the story ended up buying the house. Realtor directed me to a mortgage lender. I don't remember what company, what person. I just remember that I was supposed to sign someplace and I did. And I bought a home. And it wasn't a couple of years later, I realized that I bought a home in an area that had a major construction defect. Essentially, a bulk of the homes in the subdivision that I lived in we're starting to get groundwater seepage into the crawl spaces. And in some cases, it was coming up through the floorboards. There was a big pond in the middle of the subdivision that was used for irrigation, and apparently it was not engineered properly. So what do you know? You have moisture below your feet. At least the neighbors did and the folks down the street. And before long, other people did. And then one thing led to another. And then there you know, people are moving out of the subdivision and nobody's moving back in. Well, fast forward about another month and maybe half of the people in the area are starting to move out. And then within six months, probably 80% of the people have moved out of the neighborhood. And within a year, there's just a few stragglers out there. I was known as one of the stragglers. I was still living in that neighborhood. Made a bad decision buying in an area with a major construction defect. Everybody's pointing the finger. Long and the short of it, the home had no value couldn't sell it. Nobody would buy it. Nobody would lend on it. I was really lucky, really, really lucky. The bank allowed me to walk away from the home and they forgave the loan because of this construction defect. Apparently, there was a legal action that was going to take place between the lenders and the builder of the neighborhood. But the long and the short of it is I had paid mortgage for a couple of years and now I had no home and had a real sour taste in my mouth about buying real estate, about being a homeowner. And it's really started to change the complexities and the relationship I had with my wife, my family, because nobody wants to be in a position where they have to say, I messed up. I did something wrong. And even though I wasn't the real estate agent on duty, I wasn't the builder I wasn't the inspector. I wasn't any of that stuff. I still was the one that pulled the trigger and got a bad taste in my mouth. So I had to move. It just so happened I moved on New Year's Eve. What a crazy time to move because, you know, new leases, termination of contracts, uh, new year coming up. And so my uh, family and I, we were moving on New Year's Eve. It was cold. It was windy. It was snowy. But... People do move in the winter. Why am I talking about this? This is Nevada Real Estate Radio. People actually buy homes and sell homes in the winter because unlike what most people think that people buy when the market is right and buy when the home looks right and buy when this is right and that is right, when people really want to buy homes, it's when they need to buy a home. 
And on any given month, on any given day, there are people that need to buy a home. They need to pull the trigger. If you have a home for sale in the winter, in the cold months, it may be an advantage to you because there are less people that are going to be putting their home up for sale because they think they can get more money in the summertime when all the other folks are trying to sell their homes too. Then there are the competitive factors, you know, shoppers. They're coming, they're going, the looky-loos. I've discovered that people that are out and about looking to buy a home in November and December of any year, they're pretty serious about looking to buy a home. I mean, why would they be out at this time of the weather, of the year rather, with weather what it is and the holidays what it is, if they weren't truly serious about buying a home? Well, that's why this winter, I believe we're going to see some great deals close in the real estate market here in northern Nevada. I believe that people are thinking that maybe we're plateauing. Maybe we've hit the top. I don't think so. I think the market is going to continue to grow at about the same level that it has grown in northern Nevada over the course of the last one, two years or so. We're talking about an increase of probably 8 to 10% in home values for 2020, all things being equal to what they are today. Don't see any major problems coming on the horizon as much as a lot of people would love to help you be fearful and concerned about your future so much so that you would not take these kinds of actions to improve your life and your family's life. Don't listen to those people. The economy is much better than people think. The market is much more positive than people think. It's just that the overall media market in general across the country, around the world, is focused on negative news. Negative news is what gets people's attention. And negative news is what makes people watch or listen or read longer. And negative news is what holds you attached to whatever media you're using. And there's a result for the media that they will capture you long enough to introduce you to a product, a commercial, an advertisement of some sort, and they can charge more money when they get more viewers and they have longer attention spans on that media, and it can be done with negative news. Now, I'm not saying that negative news doesn't really happen, but it's many times used for the wrong purposes. Thinking about buying a home this year or coming into 2020, I think it's a great time. I want to wish all of you a happy Thanksgiving, and from this point forward. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back to an interview that I did recently with a young lady who's got a great book, and she's a great real estate investor, and she's a musician. Her name is Nomi Ya, and she's an author of a book you've got to read. It's called Notes to Notes. We'll be back with more on Nevada Real Estate Radio. International Incorporated sparks and fuels the entrepreneurial spirit by providing the strategies, information, education, tools, resources, and ongoing support services which lay a solid foundation under the business owner's dream. Sign up for their free monthly newsletter at sageintl.com. That's sageintl.com. SunTech Storm Panels are a durable all-weather window insulator that cuts down cold winter drafts, immediately reducing your heating bill. Call SunTech for a free estimate, 352-9396, SunTech Storm Panels. You're tuned in to Nevada Real Estate Radio right here on 1180 AM Radio, and we're happy to be with you today because we're talking about one of the, my favorite things in the world, music, and my other favorite thing in the world, real estate. The book of focus today is called Notes to Notes by Nomi Ya. Nomi is on the line with us right now. Hi, Nomi. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on your show. I'm glad that you're here today. We're enjoying cool weather, a little bit of rain. What city or what city area, state area are you calling from? I am in the town of Sonoma, California, where it's beautiful and sunny, a little bit windy, but gorgeous. Oh, nice, nice, nice. Um, well, real estate is our focus today, but it's always interesting how far real estate reaches beyond just buying and selling a primary residence. My gosh. Um, many people, when they buy that first primary residence, they know, they see the magic. If the values go up, if they feel good about the ownership, if they've got good control, they might want to move on and make other investments in real estates. But before we talk about those real estate investments, I want you to talk about 
the book that brought your, you to my attention, which is called Notes to Notes. Let us know. Okay, well, my book is called Notes to Notes, How I Went from Music to Real Estate. And I spent the first 20 years or so of my life just doing music. And then I've spent the last bunch of years just doing real estate and music. Because once you get started in music, you can never, as you said with guitar, once you get started, you just can never quite get, get it out of your system. Yeah, it's like another language. Um, so many of us want to be able to communicate on different levels. And I've always found that when you're communicating with music, uh, you get a whole different kind of message in the sense that, Many times it's much more clear what your message is if you're using music to convey that message. When it comes to real estate, there are so many ways to navigate through that world. Again, there's so many interpretations, so many ways that people want to make it. But what I've learned, Nomi, from history is that most people become millionaires when they do become millionaires because real estate was a big factor. I mean, look at the world of McDonald's. It's about their real estate locations mm -hmm. all around the world. That's what really makes them successful. They just happen to sell hamburgers at those locations. Mm -hmm. but notes to notes is a different look at real estate investing. But you know, one of the things that really caught my attention about your book was when I read about your musical performances. So let our listeners know about the kind of music that you perform. Well, uh, okay, so I am basically my number one thing is I'm a songwriter. I started, I, I wrote a song when I was 13. I started at, at, when I was eight years old writing. Mm. Um, but when I was 13, I wrote a song that got a publishing deal and later went on to have a gold record. And that, that and I ended up performing all the time and my mom was also a musician. So I, it came very easily to me. And then as a teenager, I went straight into performing full time um, to make a living. So my main kind of music would would be just what whatever you hear in a club or a festival mm -hmm. so i might have been playing pop i might have been playing hip-hop reggae um rock whatever whatever you you'd go to a festival or a club to hear that was me on stage playing in the band and you've got that versatility what kind of uh, instruments do you play I started out, um, like I said, songwriting, which is its own type of instrument. <laughs> and then I, um, my first professional jobs were with bass, and I didn't play any bass whatsoever. But I, there was a bass available to me, and there was a gig available that was paying. So I just picked up the bass and learned it within a week. Oh, my. So then I ended up playing bass for years. Mm. And then it, the bass was so heavy on my shoulder, physically heavy, because I would do these gigs that would go on for like three, four hours if you're playing a club. Mm -hmm. You do it three sets. It's, it's a lot of work, holding up that bass. So I switched over to piano. <laughs> so then the, the most of the, the, the next couple, you know, 15, 12, 15 years, I just played keyboards. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so you well-versed in the world of music, and it's like learning another language. You learn how to communicate, and you learn what notes and what order, what sequence, how things work to essentially put a song together, a melody, put something together that people enjoy. It's kind of like that in the world of real estate, isn't it? Uh, just, just so that our listeners know, I've been involved in the world of real estate probably for the last 20 years or so, many of those years in the mortgage world. And everything I found in the world of real estate during those years I was in mortgage – was that what looks easy is many times complicated. That same thing. Oh, yes. That same thing is true in your world, I'm sure, Faith. Yes, yes. I mean, anybody can write a song. I mean, every pretty much every time anybody hears I'm a songwriter, they tell me about a song they wrote. Yeah. But it, and I'm not going to say I'm a better writer than them. But when you, you know, anybody can have a great idea. Music is for everyone. But if you're going to be a professional writer, there's a a whole lot that goes into it. There's stuff people never think about, like prosody and phrasing, and stuff people don't even know what that means, but it all goes into writing. So like you said, it's very complex. But I'm now in the business, I still write and everything, but I'm now in the business of creative financing. And there is a similarity to the mindset of being able to deal with the note uh, and, and the, the math and the, the funds creatively. Absolutely. Nomi Ya is our guest via telephone today. Her book is Notes to Notes, and she knows notes from two different directions, from the music side and also 
from the real estate side. So instead of just buying homes and renting them out and making sure you take care of the rent collecting every month and the maintenance on the homes, other ways to invest, the magic of the note. Let our listeners know, in a nutshell, what the note is when it comes to real estate. Well, a note is exactly like a mortgage, except for instead of it being a bank, it's a private loan. So somebody would come in with their cash down payment, but they can't get a bank loan for whatever reason. So about between 25 and 40% of uh, people that apply for loans can't get the loan. And sometimes they're good um, borrowers. They're just maybe they're self-employed or they may have a variety of reasons why they can't get a loan. They might be a foreigner. Um, There's all kinds of reasons. And then I can step in as a private lender and give them that mortgage, and then they're paying me interest. So it's a a good way to make a living because I don't have to, like you said, I don't have to be the landlord and take care of the house and have all that responsibility. That belongs to the owners. I'm just receiving interest and and principal payments. So although you're technically and legally not a bank, in a sense of the word, Nomi, you're a private bank when you are a note holder. Is that right? Yeah, in a way, it's basically stepping in to fill a gap that the banks are not willing to fill. They don't they don't want to lend on certain things for because they have so many restrictions. But I don't have those restrictions. I can lend money to anybody I want. Yes, and when it comes to lending money, many people have specific paths or specific lines that they will lend against or they will not lend against. When it comes to the work you do in note investing and lending money in the real estate world, what kind of restrictions are there, be they commercial, multifamily, residential? How does that work? My main things I look at are for location are the the, the town that it's located in. So like right now I'm investing – I'm doing a property in um, Austin, Austin, Texas. And yeah, Austin, Texas is – different places – are better than others. There may be a town, you know, 20, 30 miles outside Austin that has a better deal, but I might not want to lend on it because how is that person going to pay me back if they can't get a job in this little town? But I know that when they're in Austin, they can get a job or in Houston or in Dallas, they can get jobs. So for me, the health, the economic health of that town is very important to me. Um, The other thing that I look at is loan-to-value ratio. So I want to make sure that I want to look at the market value. If I have a house that is worth $200,000, I don't want to loan $200,000. I want to loan a much smaller amount, maybe $120,000, $140,000, because if the person stops paying me and I have to, worst-case scenario, step in and foreclose on that house, I want to make sure I can handle the market dipping. So the loan-to-value is a very important criteria for me. Well, yes. One of the things that uh, many lending institutions and even some government lending institutions offer for first-time home buyers primarily are um, opportunities to buy a home for residential purposes uh, at an extremely low down payment. Very little skin in the game. Heck, there's even some out there that have no skin in the game. But from everything I see, those are the kind of loans that Many times they go into default. As soon as things get tough in the household, in the economy, the people that have loans where they put very little money down or even no money down, those are the ones that have a much higher likelihood of going into default. Somebody loses their job or their hours get cut or they get relocated. Next thing you know, the mortgage payment isn't made. When somebody puts 20% down, 30% down or more, there's a lot less likelihood right, that they're going to make a change like that or 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 bring it on suddenly at the very least there's better security with more down payment yeah so there's that one there's the one side of it which is they're less likely to walk away and then there's the other side which is if they did walk away maybe there was a they had some emergency something happened and they did have to walk away i'm still not going to get stuck if i have to if i have to take the property back because i know i can sell it you know even in a hurry <laughs> So that's that's something that makes me as a lender more secure. Absolutely. Nomi Ya is our guest, and we're talking about note investing and also notes in the world of music. 
Nomi wrote a book called Notes to Notes, How I Went from Music to Real Estate, and that book is available on Google Books. We're going to talk more about that and the wonderful world of real estate investing after this quick message. You're listening to Pet Talk Radio. Bear, party animal, line one. My owner's mad because he spilled guacamole. He's going to be madder when he finds out it was me. CJ's recommended carpet care. He does a great job. He's on time. He's quick. And he stands behind his work. Call 829-1551. I chihuahua. This is Bear with CJ's recommended carpet care. We're back on Nevada Real Estate Radio. Good day to tune in to our show today. We are talking about note investing and notes playing, playing music. Yes, our guest is Nomi Ya, and Nomi is the author of Notes to Notes, How I Went from Music to Real Estate. It's a private lender's personal story offering a fascinating and close-up look into the life of a professional musician. It follows the evolution of a child prodigy who becomes a punk, hip-hop, reggae artist with a Christian hit song. The unlikely twists and turns, it's too random for fiction. Ladies and gentlemen, this is real. Land the author in a new career as a note investor. I guess if you write music, you're kind of a note investor, but we're talking about real (laughs) estate. I'm glad you're with us today, Nomi. Hope you're enjoying being with us. Oh, very much so. It's uh, it's fun to talk to somebody who also has the musical background. And and when I googled your name, I I realized that you are a you also went to Burning Man. And I don't know if you got to the section of my book. I went to the very first Burning Man ever. I saw that was just so awesome. I just can't imagine that you could even hardly compare the first one to the to the last one. I mean, it's turn it turns totally. into a megalopolis. It's a totally different thing. <laughs> I'm hoping to get back there well, again. I, well, well, just when I when when people are familiar with Burning Man as it is now, and I tell them I was at the original Burning Man, it makes me sound like a like I'm like a thousand years old or something. <laughs> yeah, I know it's a sad, sad thing when people compare time, you know. Uh, but it's really evolved quite nicely for the producers, the promoters. It's a great event, a lot of fun. It's got its own complexities that you have to deal with, of course. But uh, so it's so nice that we have that in common. Another thing I want our listeners to know that we have in common is when I was reading your book, I saw some of the locations that you had performed at in, in your musical career. And one of them was in Boulder, Colorado. That's where I went to, to college. And you performed at a place called Tulagi. And I have been at that bar. It was a whole lot of fun. I remember the music. It's all up there on the hill just right above the University of Colorado. How long were you there? Oh, no, I just was on tour. We just It was one of our tour spots, you know, uh-huh. between uh, East Coast and West Coast. <laughs> yeah, well, that's a great place to spot in, uh, stop in the Rockies. It's, uh, it's a really oh, beautiful it's place. so beautiful. Yeah. One of the most beautiful places in the world. Yep, it is. There'd be uh, rainbows, rainbows, and then the sun would come out, and then the, the rain would fall in the mountains and the snow and the just gorgeous. It is. It absolutely is. You know, the world of real estate investing really gives the investors, the successful investors, Nomi, a a great opportunity to expand other parts of their careers. It's surprising how many people I know in the world of real estate that are also performers, musicians, singers, and then they have so many other uh, things that they love to do in their own world of an artistic style. Um, Real estate has a lot of freedom in that element in that if you do it right, you get, it seems like, more time. Give us your take on how real estate has impacted your life. Well, I'm also a, a, an artist coach. So when I when I find a young artist who wants to go into the, the music industry, I coach them. And one of the things I tell them is that, look, you can make a living in the music industry. But I'll tell you this, that making a living in the music industry is not the same as just being a musician or just having fun with music. It's not the same thing at all. It's like the difference between I like to go in my my kitchen and whip up some dinner, but that doesn't mean I want to be a chef and make dinners eight hours a day my you know for decades. Mm-hmm. So um, what when I was in the music industry, I didn't have the time to really write the songs I wanted to write and play the music I wanted to play because I was very focused on 
displaying the music and the songs that we're going to create income, which is different than creating just because you feel like creating. And you have to weigh that when you want to go into the music industry. So when real estate started coming up and I started being able to make a living with real estate, it it freed up my music side. So now I can spend time coaching an artist or writing a song with a 15-year-old if I feel like it. You know, I can do what I feel like doing and not um, just have to turn a profit with it to pay the bills. So real, real estate is just is is just been a blessing for me, and I, I know it has been for a lot of people. Most of the people I know in the world of real estate know I me. Mean, they're really giving people. And what I talk about often is that real estate is not so much about land and buildings and property. Real estate is about people. People are impacted so much by the real estate that they live in, that they rent, that they buy, that they sell. It can really be a life changer, the world of real estate. Yeah. But I find that the people that do it well, they're able to give back. They're able to help others be successful either in real estate or in other fields or vocations because they know, I believe, that they, they realize the value of what they're doing. And that value is helping other people. Other other individuals that have read your book, I see some nice reviews on your website which is uh, where, where we are, are shopping for your book, Notes to Notes. Here's one of the reviews from Christopher. He says, Nomi, Nomi writes compelling and captivating stories from recounting the industriousness of her grandfather to the pleasures and pains of life as a mother and performer on tour. Her book paints a picture of the emotional events and processes that led to her success in the notes investment space. The book was entertaining, easy to read. Her experience in songwriting lends well to her book writing, and the stories are linked gracefully and tastefully, just as as Nomi surely practiced flow with musical notes. She has mastered the flow of the written word. There's a lot of writing when it comes to doing real estate notes, isn't there, Nomi? (laughs) Yes, yes. (laughs) Every word means something, right? Yes, when you write a book, for me, write, I like people talk about how they're writing the book was so difficult, but for me, writing the book was wonderful because I love to write. I could just do that all day. Well, as a music <laughs> writer, yes, I did. Yeah, as a music yeah. writer, that's that's really what what you're comfortable with. Well, like I said, my primary thing is not being a performer. My primary thing has always been being a songwriter. Right. So for me, the writing part is fun, and I really hope. When I wrote the book, I wanted to give a lot of information about, you know, about business and notes and my biz- and all that stuff. But I also wanted to make it entertaining and tell some stories. And so hopefully I did that. Oh, yes. So when you're when you're listening to music, when you like to listen to uh, music just to relax, know me as a writer, as a performer, is it hard for you to listen to other people's music? Or do you uh, are you as much of a fan as, of other performers as those of us who are non musicians? I think I'm I'm less of a I don't listen as much as most people do and I think that's true of most songwriters. Songwriters the problem is that the mu- I'm hearing music in my head almost all the time, mm-hmm. almost constantly. I'm hearing music in my head. And and a lot of people are, but the the music they're hearing in the head in their head is something that got stuck in their head, something catchy that they heard that they know. What I'm hearing in my head is music I'm inventing. Mm-hmm. And so if I start listening to too much outside music, it drowns out the music that I'm inventing. And I think that a lot of songwriters have that same exact personality where they don't listen a lot. But when I do listen, I think in a way I'm a super fan because my ears, I'm hearing more things than most people are. Because I hear all of these levels of stuff that most people just kind of take as one. I'm taking all individually so I can respect when someone comes up with a great song and a great production i can understand and respect how much went into that so you're looking you're listening to the details what perhaps some novices would call the minutiae of music but i would imagine that some of the little tiny nuances in music is what makes the big difference yeah <laughs> yeah that's that's you know what i look for you know why why i don't really listen to a whole lot of music because i have to find something that 
that really like makes me go, wow, that's amazing. I love how they did that. And that doesn't happen that often. <laughs> in the world of note investing, you're talking to a lot of folks that I'm sure first time, maybe they don't know a lot about note investing. They have a lot of questions. They need to get in contact with you to find out how it works you know, before they know if it's right for them. I was looking on your website, and it is E-L-O-H-E loans.com. Is that correct? Yeah, L-O-H-E loans is the name of my company. L-O-H-E loans.com. And uh, if people want to get in contact with you, would you recommend that they go to that website, or is there another way that you'd like to make that contact? Yeah, they can go on that website. It's L-O-H-E loans at L-O-H-E loans.com. It's email. Uh, if you're interested in the music side, you can look at nomiya.com. Very good. We're going to put all of your contact information on our website, nevadarealestateradio.com. We'll make it easy for people to find you. And if for any reason somebody's listening to our show, they've got to tune away, can't finish up to the end, do know that your radio show will be available on our website as a podcast after the broadcast right here on 1180 AM radio in Northern Nevada. We have more with our guest, Nomi Yaw, the author of Notes to Notes, and she knows her notes when it comes to real estate as well. We'll be back after this. Welcome back to Nevada Real Estate Radio. Peter Padilla here with you today enjoying conversation with industry experts from all across the country when it comes time to buy or sell real estate and also to invest in real estate. I was talking to a good friend of mine recently. He was telling me, Peter, there aren't any good deals left in northern Nevada. The prices have gone up so high. Rents have gone up so high. Even if you buy a rental property, I mean, it's hard to make a nickel on your uh, statement after you figure out all of your costs because real estate is so high. So I'm moving. Well, guess where he moved? He moved to Arkansas. I, I call him my Arky friend now. And my Arky friend was able to find a great home uh, com comparable to a median home in northern Nevada. But instead of paying what would be our normal median price here of close to $400,000, he came in at $120,000 in Arkansas. And boy, is he enjoying life. Has a great job, has a great career has a great future, and is now investing in more real estate in Arkansas. The timing is right for him, and the market is right for him as well. Compared to what's happening here, it's a great deal. And more and more people are investing across the country because of the digital services, being able to see your property on your own computer screen without having to travel to all these different locations, property management companies that can help you maintain and collect the rents on the property, and then the knowledge that you can get from experts that know all of the nuances of real estate. And there's so many ways to invest in real estate. Today, via telephone, I'm talking with a lady who can really give you a great idea about investing in real estate, and that's investing in the world of notes. I discovered the author from my good friend, Sherry Hill. Naomi Yah sent her a book called Notes to Notes. I had a chance to get into that book, and it is fantastic. whole lot of fun. I love music, and I love real estate. Naomi is with us via telephone from Southern California. It's a lot nicer today there weather-wise, Naomi, I'm sure, than it is here. You got any rain or snow? Uh, no, and I'm actually Northern California. Um, we're just beautiful, sunny weather out here. Oh, very nice. It's no wonder that people love living in California. But are you finding that... More and more people are, like we're hearing, hearing on the media, looking for investment opportunities in other parts of the country. Yeah, I, in, I don't invest in California. Um, I can just make my money stretch a lot further in another place. Mm -hmm. But I, but it's not easy. It's what you had said at the beginning of the, the radio show was things look easy, but they're not easy. So 
when you're investing out of state, you have to have a whole team. Yeah. And you have to understand you have to understand neighborhoods. What neighborhood are you investing in? Is that a good neighborhood, a bad neighborhood? You know, what kind of sources of economics are there? What kind of jobs are there? What kind of schools are there? And there's a lot of things that you don't know about because you don't live there. So I had I had to fly a lot, you know, to start my business, to get to know different areas and to set up team members, like you said, management or you know, different people that you need. Mm-hmm. But once you have it set up and you understand it and you start to, I would recommend just narrow it down. Like if you're, if you want to invest in, like you said, Arkansas, you want to pick a place, just pick that one place and specialize in it for a while. Mm-hmm. Don't just pick one house there and one house here, wherever you can find a deal. Cause you could get in trouble. Yeah. A lot of people have great ideas. I have idea people coming to me all the time, Nomi, and they say, why don't you do this, and you should do that, and why don't you do this, and you should do that. But many of the people that, that give me these ideas, you know, they don't really accomplish much on their own. I bet people are coming at you all with all these great ideas, but pulling the trigger, taking action, isn't that really one of the most challenging parts for most people when they're getting started? Yeah, exactly, and then, and then also – Sometimes the ideas are half-baked, so they may start to try to do an idea and work really hard at it and then find out it's not the right idea. Yes. <laughs> but, you know, I think taking action is more important than just sitting around and trying to figure it all out first because there's really no way to figure things out in business without actually doing it. And, you know, everybody's so risk-averse, or at least that's what they talk about, especially when you talk to an institutional lender. You know, everything is risk-based financing, credit scores, FICOs, uh, tax information. I mean, that's one of the things that is a big challenge for many borrowers. I mean, they may have great, great uh, uh, financial skills. They may run great businesses, but because they have multiple businesses and things are so complex, getting a loan, a mortgage loan from a traditional lending institution can be quite challenging. I mean, they need to look at everything. When somebody's talking with a private lender, a note holder, like you, for instance, is that does that reduce the requirement of all of that data that you would need at an institutional lender? It, it reduces it, yeah, uh, tremendously because I'm not a government agency. Basically, a bank is an arm of the government because they're, they're insured by the government. So they have to do all this crazy administrative stuff. I do have to do some stuff because there's consumer – Finance protection laws um, after the crash of twenty, you know, of uh, two thousand and eight, um, they set these laws in place. So I have to, if if somebody's going to live in a house, they're not just like a landlord buying it. They're actually going to live in the house. It's called a consumer loan, and I have to send them to a professional. Mm-hmm. And the professional has to look at how much income do they make, how much can they afford to borrow, and so they do have to jump through that hoop. But then I don't. It's up to me whether I care about their credit score, their, they had a bankruptcy, or they had a, you know, something happen. I, I get the choice. So if I think it's a good borrower or I think the loan-to-value makes sense, I can do it. I don't have all those restrictions. Well, that's great because that can certainly speed up the process. I know that there are many uh, investors that have these complex lives. They might own multiple businesses, multiple properties, maybe have multiple mortgages on them as well. They're still very able to close a deal on a, on a mortgage transaction, but the processing time from the institutional lenders can take 30, 40, 60, 90 days. Yeah. And many times when investors are looking for a deal, it's got to close quickly. For some reason, when people need cash, they need it pretty quick. And if you can put a deal together fast, that can give you a huge advantage. In your world of notes to notes, Nomi, how quickly can things happen? The last deal I did, we had a 30-day escrow, and then the guy, uh, the seller, said, hey, is there any way you could close in three weeks? I was like, sure. And then he got back to us. He's like, is there any way you could close in like two and a half weeks? <laughs> I was like, sure. And then we just closed. I mean, because why not? I, I get to move along with my project faster. He gets to move along with his faster. Mm-hmm. The only thing I need to do is if it's a consumer, like I said, run it through that um, I do due diligence. I look at everything. But how long does that take? Maybe a day or two, a couple of phone calls, a couple of searches, and I'm done. Yeah, in your That's world, right you don't have that loan committee. 
or that higher level of management that has to review all loans before they're processed. And that conveyor belt many times moves pretty slow at a financial institution. Know me, I worked at some of the biggest banks in the country. I've also worked for some small lenders. And I know that the smaller lenders and all the way down to private note holders, maneuverability is the key. You can move fast. That's a huge advantage over those big brick and mortar on the corner of Main Street and Broadway banks that, yeah, they might offer a great deal on a low down payment or a low interest, but you have to wait. You have to wait till they're ready. With a note holder, that is not the case. Notes to Notes is the book that brought Nomi Ya to my attention. For the viewers or the listeners that just tuned into our radio show, Nomi, tell us about the book. Okay, well, the book is a story about how I spent the 20 years or so in the music industry, toured all over the, the world, and got a gold record, performed in front of front of 100,000 people. I So I threw a bunch of these stories into the first half of the book. The second half of the book is really about how I became an entrepreneur and got into real estate notes. So that now I'm a note investor, and I, I still love doing music, but I don't do music for a living anymore. I do real estate notes. Isn't it interesting that you can you have a fan base, and I'm sure your fan base has grown since you've written the, the book, from two different ends of the spectrum, and they're, they're yet your fans because of the word, the one word, which is notes, notes to note. And a note is like a private loan that you would have on real estate. Nomi, I imagine you can do a, a note on almost anything. It doesn't have to be real estate, does it? No, my first two notes that I did when I started becoming a note investor, well, it was my second and third note, were automobile loans Mm. that were commercial. So they were commercial drivers, people that drove for Uber and Lyft, and they they took a loan from me to buy their vehicle and paid it back, and it was a commercial loan. Mm -hmm. And they've been they performed great. One of them paid off. One of them still paying, but you know they're fine. But I prefer real estate because real estate doesn't move. It doesn't fall apart quite as quickly, and it's more important to people. No, I mean, I have a friend who has a lot of children, and he owns a few real estate properties. And a couple of his real estate properties he rents out to his children, family members, essentially. They're adult children. But guess what? When they are due to pay the rent, sometimes they're a little bit late. Sometimes the rent is a little bit short. And you know why it's like that? I think it's like that because they know the dad's going to let them get away with it. Do you recommend that people do private notes with family, or what's your take on that? You know, I, I'm i okay with family if um, you automate it. So um, I did a loan with a family member, and I, I put the – there's a thing called, for people that don't aren't familiar with the note business, there's something called note servicing. It's a third-party company that collects all the payments, and then they pay – so they'll collect it from the borrower and they'll pay me. Uh-huh. And the reason I use them, they do it automatically. And then if they don't get paid, they put a collection into place that actually happens. And it's not – it's in the contract that they have to go through collections. So I told my family member, once I get it on this note servicing, you're going to have to pay or it's going to ding your credit. It's a real um, – it's just like any other institution. And that has remarkably solved any kind of problem. I've never had a single late payment. That's a great idea, and it, it really uh, gets your note holder, your your uh, your tenants, if they will, your clients, your family members, gets them accustomed to the fact that they must pay this note, this monthly payment, on time, or it will affect them adversely. You're running it like a business, even though it's with family. That's great advice. No me. But I think you have to tell them ahead of time, you know, just tell them, hey, this is how I run my business, and it's not going to be me. You're not paying me, mm. and I don't want to discuss it. There you You're go. And this note service company. And so, um, and the other thing that's good about note service companies is they report to credit, or, or the ones I'm using do, which means that if my tent, if, it, if, if somebody wants to borrow money from me, and it's a high interest rate, because I have to charge way higher than the banks. Because I'm not a bank, I'm not insured by the government, so I have to charge what makes sense for me. But after a year or two of paying me on time, they can go and refinance. I'm not going to stop them. I don't give them a penalty. If they can refinance, great. God bless them. They give me my money back, and I do another deal. So I, I think that's a good um, thing to offer. Naomi Ah is our guest today. Her business is Elohi Loans. That's E L O H E Loans. 
and you can visit her website, eloheloans.com. And also her book is what we're talking about today, Notes to Notes. And I'm enjoying reading that book. I'm almost done with it. Nomi, I know I'm going to have more questions for you after I'm complete with that. And I know our listeners will have more questions as well. Give us a best phone number to reach you in case anybody wants to reach out. Sure. It's uh, 707-931-1396. Very good. We've got it up on our website too. Yeah. And we'll put all that contact information on our website, nevadarealestateradio.com. We'll make it easy for people to find you. Nomi, thank you very much for visiting with us. And I'm hoping you'll come back again sometime. Oh, and I hope you come and visit me when you're in lovely Sonoma. I'd love to meet you. We're going to be there. Until then, to our listeners, please tune in again next week. Same time, same station. Tell your friends to tune in as well, and then they can make a great deal when it comes time to buy or sell real estate. Goodbye, everybody. I keep my head down, making an income. I've got a day job, most of us do. The hours pass by a little faster when there's a paycheck waiting for you. Friday's a boring night till quitting I could sleep in, but there's a meeting. Seems like we always have to work. I'm not complaining, but I'm explaining. I've gotta get that life I deserve. Friday's a boring night till quitting. Listening to Nevada Real Estate Radio with Peter Padilla. We value your listenership and appreciate your feedback. Want to talk with Peter? Send an email to Peter at NevadaRealEstateRadio.com.